Thanks for checking out the Tennessee Holler Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Subscribe to and support the Holler at www.tnholler.com to help us fearlessly yell the truth about Tennessee. And be sure to subscribe to the growing family of Holler Podcasts while you're there. You can also follow the Holler on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the TN Holler. Tennessee. 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 All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Tennessee Holler live show here at the Holler. We're tnholler.com, at the TN Holler on Twitter and Facebook. We're also all of these other hollers throughout the state. The Borough Holler, Murfreesboro, Memphis, Chattanooga, Knoxville, Cookville, Harrogate, Tri-Cities, and we even have one in West Virginia spreading like wildfire because of your support. Thank you so much for everybody who's chipping in monthly. It all really helps. Matt and I were just talking about how media is a rough game these days, and you guys are really helping to keep us afloat. So thank you, everybody who's doing that. Make it 10 bucks a month or more, and I'll send you one of these sweet hats that I'm wearing. Uh, today I'm talking to Matt Sheffield. Matt has spent a lot of time as a, I guess, conservative right-wing blogger. He worked for Newsbusters, Washington Examiner, and just did a great interview in the New York Times about how basically how the right wing media that our friends and family, especially here in Tennessee, get such a steady diet of helped create this alternate reality, this digital divide. Matt, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So, you know, I, I tried to tee it up a little bit for you, but I'd love, first of all, just to hear how you would describe your background. Um, sure. Well, so I was raised in a uh, kind of ultra orthodox Mormon home. Uh, my parents, uh, so Mormons have a tradition not too different from uh, a lot of uh, more charismatic Protestants that uh, you know believe in personal revelation. You can know the mind of God about anything. Um, and so my dad thinks he's a prophet, uh, and I thought he was too for a long time as well. Um, and so he had this uh, street ministry where he would go and play classical guitar on the street uh, in all, a bunch of different cities across the country and brought his family along with him, but didn't make a lot of money in the process. And so, you know, we were, we had a lot of hardship. We were homeless sometimes. We lived in our car. We lived in tents, motorhomes, trailer parks, um, and houses if we were lucky once in a while. <laughs> Uh, and then after that, uh, while I was in, in the middle of that, uh, I uh, got started into blogging uh, when, once I hit college and uh, started a website attacking Dan Rather, uh, the old CBS Evening News anchor, for being uh, liberally biased uh, because I didn't like his coverage of, of Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, he after rather basically had his whole career implode with that fake document scandal. Um, I realized, you know, I could have a business out of this and uh, got started making websites for conservative groups, uh, partly as a way to get out of my uh, previous terrible uh, family life. Uh, and so that's amazing. So, so Dan rather was your first target of all people. He was. Yep. And did you uh, feel like you had part of a hand in taking him down? Uh, well, the Pew Research Center 
did a study and they said that 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 I did. So I, I'll trust their word for it. Um, but uh, yeah, so like our site, which was called ratherbiased.com, um, it was basically we co we brought together everything Dan Rather had ever said on particular political issues and showed that he was, you know, a, a pretty regular liberal Democrat. And uh, despite his denials and um, I still, you know, that was all factual. Everything I had on that site was true. Um, but it, you know, I, I was missing the context um, at the time, which is that, you know, right wing viewpoints are not really based on facts. Um, I just wanted more of a tit for tat, you know, Republicans said this, Democrats said that. Um, and, you know, that's that's not what journalism is supposed to be. I, I learned later. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So you're essentially saying that any skew in any direction was not the role of the journalist in your mind, no matter where the truth actually skewed. And you you sort of came to realize that maybe the truth was leaning more to one side than the other. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, but I mean, mostly, um, I remember I was very, uh, irked, um, during the Bush years when Stephen Colbert would often say reality has a, a liberal bias, um, a well-known liberal bias, he said. And, uh, you know, it, it, it irritated me because I, and I heard other people who were media critics, journalism professors that were you know, saying that, uh, well, you know, Republicans just don't know what they're talking about. Um, like it, and it pissed me off to, when they would say that. Um, but you know, I realized they were right. Um, and it's, and it's a long story. So I don't know how much you want me to get into. No, it. I, I do want to get into it, but I, I sort of want to walk through your, your, your journey in its entirety and talk about it along the way. What was the next thing you did after taking down Dan Rather? Um, sure. Well, so I, uh, my, my, one of my brothers and I, we had started that site. Um, and then we decided, you know, uh, we're tired of being in this ministry, so we're going to move out. And uh, we got to find some way to do that. So we ended up uh, going with the uh, Media Research Center, and I create, came up with the idea for Newsbusters, uh, launched that. Uh, I, so I'm a, a writer and a coder as well. So I'd coded that site and wrote for it and, you know, hired a lot of the writers. And what um, was it exactly? I mean, I remember seeing it a lot and it, it was basically like a rapid response, social media slash uh, mm -hmm. blog that, that, you know, is that right wing? Is that basically what it was? Uh, yeah. We, and, uh, but dedicated to, uh, you know, attacking the media as liberally biased and unfair. Um, and so, you know, that was, so we focused not just on CBS, but we focused on all of the press. And uh, so I, you know, launched that. It had millions of readers every month um, and launched a, actually, uh, one of the very first video shows. Uh, we launched a video comedy show, sort of like a weekend update uh, kind of thing, but with a conservative slant. We launched that in, I think it was 2008, I think. Uh, no, 2007. Um, and then after that, I went on to be the first online uh, managing editor for the Washington Examiner. Um, so I uh, oversaw the team that created that 
first version of that website and hired a bunch of the people who are there, uh, helped recruit uh, Michael Barone and Byron York for that. And they're still there to this day. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> at what point did the dam start to crack and did you start to feel like you might not be contributing to society in a way that you wanted to be? Um, well, there wasn't any one single thing, but so um, after my brother and I left the minister, the Mormon ministry, uh, almost immediately thereafter, we left Mormonism um, and became, um, you know, uh, what I call myself a agnostic atheist. So I don't believe in any religions, but I don't think you can prove that there is no uh, gods of any kind. Um, and so. Uh, so I so I was trying to make a place for secular conservatives in the in the uh, Washington D.C. conservative establishment, um, and so we, uh, you know, and and people people warned me that I shouldn't put on my Facebook profile that I'm an agnostic atheist. Uh, they said it will be bad for your career if you do that. Man. No room for that on the conservative side of things, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and which is hilarious because they love to talk about cancel culture. Right. Uh, you know, people are out to get you for your views if they don't agree with you. Uh, but literally, they're the ones who started cancel culture. Um, and they started it in the 70s when they were trying to get people who were gay fired for being teachers, um, among other things. And um, and so, you know, it was... trying to do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, I bet. Um, and uh, actually, my wife is from Memphis. I should I should mention, and she okay. went to school. She went to undergrad at UTC. Um, sure. So I have uh, been to Tennessee many times. Um, I yeah. Anyway, um, and so I, um, uh, you know, I was trying to to push for that, but it was a, it was an uphill battle and uh, trying to get people to be tolerant of of differing viewpoints. And um, so I started, but I, and so in 2012, I started writing a book uh, because I thought, well, you know, Mitt Romney might lose the election or if he did win, Republicans wouldn't have learned why they lost in 2008. Um, so I started writing a book. I had a major publisher. They loved it. Uh, famous editor was editing it. Um, and, you know, I started doing tons of research about, you know, demographics and public opinion about different issues um, and, you know, the history of conservatism. Um, so as a, as a philosophy, conservatism, a lot of the biggest thinkers of conservatism were atheists or agnostic. And it's not something that a lot of people know, but like David Hume, who is, um, you know, one of the most famous philosophers out there, um, a lot of people study him in college. Uh, he was an atheist and he was a conservative. Um, what, what does and, that mean to you? What does being a conservative mean in your mind? Because it seems like it means so many different things to so many different people. What, what, what does it mean to you? And and also, I'd like to know what you think it means to the majority of the people who were reading the things that you were putting out there. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that conservatism is a is based on a philosophy of an outlook of skepticism, um, the idea that humans are not perfectible, society is not perfectible, um, and so that you should be careful in the in the policies you enact 
and the things that you uh, try to do because there are a lot of unintended consequences uh, for government actions. Um, and in, and then if you look at the history of conservatism, so like H.L. Mencken was the first sort of conservative celebrity in America, and he was an atheist. Um, he was there. He covered the Scopes monkey trial, actually, in Tennessee. Uh, and he was making fun of the... Uh, uh, of the of the pastors with his uh, with his newspaper columns, uh, and and he was the first famous conservative in America, and he was an atheist, um, and and very uh, strongly so, and so you know for my mind at that time, you know if you were going to be skeptical of of government, well then you should be skeptical of what the church tells you also, uh, because you didn't vote for them, uh, and how do you know that they you know, you know, really speak for God. Um, you don't, you have no, you have no way of knowing. Um, and so that was the perspective that I put into this uh, book. And um, then I also, you know, looked at some issues showing how uh, even Republican voters don't want to slash the government like Ted Cruz wants to do it. Uh, they want, you know, they, they don't want to cut Medicare. They don't want to cut social security. They don't want to cut education. Um, they don't want any of those things. Um, but they, the, but they, but they believe government is bad at the same time. So there's yeah, a but disconnect. it's only an indefinite sort of thing, though. Right, like, right, of course. Yeah, right. and and that yeah. I think that's the the tough part. See, I sort of feel like you hold the keys to a lot of questions that people have. You know, uh, that are trying to grapple with how to cut through the noise. I mean, we all have family members, friends who are Trump voters, who, you know, mm. are totally fine with the attack on democracy that just happened, who are complicit, you know, in a lot of our eyes, but we don't know how to communicate with them, you know, because there's been this drumbeat of right-wing media in their minds yeah. for decades. Uh, how on the same page is that drumbeat? Like, it's it it seems like there's this really coordinated effort, like there's this mind meld going on on the conservative side of the aisle where there's messaging handed out and here's what we're going to talk about. How coordinated mm. is it or is it just everybody kind of knows what to say and what not to say? Um, I, it, I mean, it's a combination of both. Um, I mean, the reality is they just re repeat whatever Trump says. So. It's kind of easy. Just follow the dude on Twitter uh, and you'll know what but it wasn't say. like that before. Uh, right? I mean, when you were over there, it wasn't like uh, that, was it? Um, no, no. And well, and, and so, well, and, and this goes to the sort of the different concept of media that, that conservatives have. Um, and so, um, so like, you know, your average conservative pundit on TV they're not there to, they don't see what they do as providing analysis or context for the news. What they see is they're there to defend the right wing no matter what. Uh, and, you know, if you, if somebody says something bad about a Republican, well, then it's a lie. Even if it's true, it's a lie. Uh, and they're going to oppose it. Um, and, you know, and to a large degree, the mainstream press, uh, particularly, you know, TV debate shows that are inviting these people on the air. And these people have nothing to say, like Hugh Hewitt. I mean, that guy is so far up the ass of Mitch McConnell, he can't see the sun. Right. Um, and so, 
uh, like this, you know, the guy has never had an original thought in his life. And, and almost all of them, that's the case. They don't like Ben Shapiro. He doesn't know anything. Um, and uh, he's a Nashville the, guy now, by the way, he's a local. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to have to fumigate the place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm glad he's leaving LA, which is where I normally live. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. And so basically they don't know what they're talking about, but they're very uh, strident and they're very good at appealing to feelings. Uh, uh, and, but, and here's, but here's what the paradox is, is that Republicans don't care about their voters and don't help them. Um, and so you've got so many parts of the country that have, you know, fallen into economic hard times. And then Trump came along and used it, the Republican failure as a justification to vote for him, uh, even though it was the Republicans who did the, the policies that that his voters are upset about. Um, but most people don't they don't think about, you know, the the longer term um, ideological trends or the policy trends. Um, they don't you know, they they have their jobs to do. They have their kids to take care of or their parents or grandparents. Um, they don't have, you know, and, and, and I mean, God, you watch TV news, you're not going to learn anything about what's actually going on. Uh, you're just going to have a bunch of the same old people, you know, uh, talk about the same old things. Um, I mean, so how, okay. You know, let's say in Tennessee, we deal with this in a very serious way. You know, mm -hmm. it's really, I ran for Congress in a district that was very conservative, 19 counties, 17 of them were like extremely cherry red. It was Marshall Blackburn's old district. And, you know, when I would introduce myself to people and say I was a Democrat, it was, you know, handing the card back. I'm a baby killer pervert, you know, <laughs> uh, if you were to give, and you may even do this, if you were to talk to leadership on the democratic side or progressives, like, is there a way to counteract this messaging? Is there a way to break through the clutter and the noise? Or is this just the reality of the situation and they're never coming back and we got to try to find new people? Um, well, it's, it, it's definitely a, a very tricky question. So um, I think there's plenty of people that, there's nothing you can say to them that would persuade them in any way. Um, but you know, there, there are other people. So like, if you, as I was saying, you look at polls of Republican voters, um, you know, they don't want the policy agenda of Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan. That's not what they want. And so I think that if Democrats were to force Republicans to put forward bills uh, actual legislation. Um, and, and they really didn't do it very much. So, I mean, like, you know, just as an example, you know, we're at this stage now where Trump's a lame duck president and, um, uh, the, we still don't have that, you know, third round of, of coronavirus stimulus and the Democrats passed a bill about it in March, but they weren't pounding the table on it. Um, to get that through. And now the, the most of the money from the second one is run out. And you've got restaurants having to close down and right. people losing their jobs. And this is the Republicans' fault because they refused to pass anything. But it's also the Democrats' fault because they didn't force them 
to to account for what they were doing um, and, or rather not. Right. They're not as good. They're simply not as good at hanging the problems around the necks of Republicans as Republicans are about doing it to them. Republicans are really good at defining Democrats mm-hmm. and Democrats aren't as good about playing offense or, or don't seem to really even want to. And, yeah. you know, right. So, so you're in your, in your estimation, I saw you had a tweet that was about uh, how conservatives love to complain that everybody is against them. And uh-huh. you used to also, until you considered maybe having problems with everybody else, isn't your fault. So, so they, is that what you found that they felt like everybody was against them, that there was this victimization attitude going on over there, even when you were a part of it? Oh yeah. No, it's, it's been that way since the 1960s, to be honest. Um, so yeah, the, the basis of Republican and conservative voting patterns it almost all boils down to people who are Christian who feel like Democrats hate Christians. Um, that's about the only reason that people vote for Republicans. Um, and and Trump has been able to add an extra dollop of grievance on top uh, to that. So 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 they like him more. But like if you look at the polls of Republican voters, at, you know they ask Republican voters, "What do you think of?" Kevin McCarthy? What do you think of Mitch McConnell? What do you think of Paul Ryan? They don't like them. They don't like them. Um, and so they, uh, so, so, but, but, but the Democrats have done such a terrible job at showing people that Republicans are, are crazy and, and dumb. Um, they just expect people to figure it out for themselves. You know, like the Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign eventually devolved into I can't believe I'm running against this guy. Can you? And vote for me. I'm a woman. Uh, like that was what her pitch degraded to. Um, and, you know, it was never about explaining to people that he uh, was going to be empowering this uh, radical agenda that was going to cut, you know, taxes for billionaires. And, and like Paul Ryan had made this agenda and laid it out there in right. the, uh, in, during the general election. It's, it's so it just, was right there and they could have said something about it, but they did not. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I, I sort of am with you there, although I do think she did try to say it and <laughs> just nobody was listening. But I think what you're hitting on is a really important point, which is the role that religion plays in this. Uh, I think you said almost all right-wing support in the United States comes from a view that Christians are under attack by secular liberals it's so important and little understood. Logic doesn't matter. Fact checking doesn't matter. What matters is if I can use this information to show liberals are evil. Uh, that seems accurate to me. And it in Tennessee, we're the highest percentage of evangelicals in the entire country. It's a big part of why Tennessee isn't Georgia. And I am somebody who believes, even though I was raised Jewish, you know, that Democrats need to do a better job of speaking to people of faith, of talking to the 75% of this country that is Christian and not being afraid to have that conversation because what ends up happening is they get painted, like you're saying, as you know, secular liberals who are anti-God. Uh, mm. Do you feel like that is something that should be more of a focus, is speaking the language of faith even as a conservative atheist like yourself? Or a formerly oh, well, conservative, conservative atheist, right? Formerly um, conservative, current yeah, atheist. Yeah. Well, well, my yeah. So my, uh, I mean, my perspective is that you know I don't believe in religion, but I don't think it's bad necessarily. 
Um, it's no different than, you know, eating, uh, eating, uh, too much pie or, you know, <laughs> eating too many steaks. Uh, you know, it, you got to have things in moderation. Um, and so, but I, yeah, and, and I do, I think that, uh, you know, the progressive or centrist Christian voice uh, is very critical uh, to be elevated by Democrats and, and by in progressive media uh, because, you know, Republicans have managed to, you know, take over the brand of Christianity in this country and, you know, claim that, you know, Jesus tells you to vote for a tax cut. I mean, Jesus doesn't, has nothing to do with a tax cut. Um, you know, the only thing he, Jesus said about taxes was that you should pay them. So I guess Donald Trump's in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> but no, and, and, and so like so much of the Bible has nothing to do with right um, wing agenda items. Um, and so, but, you know, but I think uh, to a large extent, the national democratic um, elites there, you know, they're, they, you know, some of them are quite religious themselves, like Nancy Pelosi goes to mass and Joe Biden goes to church every week. Um, so it's not that they uh, themselves are, you know, secular, godless liberals. Um, it's that they feel uncomfortable trying to subject other people to their own religious viewpoints. And they think that that's disrespectful. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and there's something to that discomfort, uh, you know, because like, when I would go to ostensibly, you know, political, I would like a number of times I would go to conservative political events and they were only about, you know, political discussion or some party meeting or whatever. And they would open up with a prayer to Jesus. Um, like that had nothing to do with anything. Um, and so, you know, but they've done a really good job of tying those things together. And that has been sort mm -hmm. of the last 40 year project is to co-opt Christianity mm -hmm. and make it, you know, tied to the Republican Party, which, you know, it mm -hmm. couldn't be further from the truth. I agree with you. Who are some of the voices that you were around uh, when you were doing this? You know, I, I just feel like you have this look behind the curtain. Uh, what, you know, Ben Shapiro, tell me, what, what are your feelings about him? Oh, well, I, didn't, I don't know him personally. You don't know him personally? Who did you come um, across when you were over there? Um, well, personally, um, I mean, I, I'm not really going to get, get into specific people okay, necessarily. Okay. Um, I'm just, just wondering because, like who, who were the voices? No, that, I'll, I'll, that I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you an, a story of, of that is kind of emblematic of, of my okay. experience. So, um, I was, so one day, um, I was, uh, at the examiner and, uh, I, so one of the things I do as a journalist is I go and read obscure internet forums as a way of news gathering. Yeah. Um, and, you know, because that's, especially if you're looking for some, you know, local angle or whatever, like you, you, you can't beat those type of places. Um, and so I, I found some uh, discussion among people. They were, uh, this was in uh, when Obama was the president doing his uh, cash for clunkers environmental program and stimulus thing um, that they were saying that uh, their uh, friend who was a car dealer, who was a Republican, couldn't get any, he, they wouldn't do a deal with him. Uh, and then somebody else said the same thing. And so I thought, oh, wow, that would be interesting if, you know, if that was true, we could prove that 
Obama was, uh, you know, uh, discriminating against Republican car dealers. Um, but I didn't have time to look into it. So I passed it off to one of my colleagues. And I said, you know, um, this would be a great story if if we can confirm it. Uh, but I don't have time right now. So, you know, if you want it, um, you can look into it. And it's yours to have. Well, within about 15 minutes, he had published a story uh, and had not even bothered to fact check it or look around. He just used that uh, initial material I gave him. And then it ended up on the Drudge Report and it was getting, you know, tens of thousands of hits. Um, and then uh, somebody contacted us and said that that story was wrong. Uh, and so he had to issue this embarrassing correction. Drudge took the link off. Uh, you know, the correction. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, and it was just a total embarrassment. Uh, but the guy was not unfa he was unfazed from the experience and, and he went and did similar things like that uh, even after that experience. And, and, you know, and I said to him, well, why did you, why didn't you fact check it? And he said, well, Matthew, Obama is trying to destroy this country. Uh, and that was his answer. Um, so the ends justify the means they're fighting this fight with lies and attacks, but in their minds, that's worthwhile because of what they think is happening to the country. Is that, does that seem like that's about right? Yeah. Although it doesn't even get to the point of whether it's a truth or a lie. It's if it's damaging to Democrats, then we'll talk about it. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's true. Uh, we don't even get to that point. Uh, and so, you know, and, and, and then, you know, when I was at Newsbusters, I always had people trying to uh, like, they would write articles, you know, complaining that, Oh, so it's since such show had, a lesbian character on it. Oh, isn't that disgusting? Um, and even at the time, like I was so put off by that, uh, that they were trying to basically ban uh, gay people from television. Um, it was just gross. And I didn't like that. Um, but, you know, and then I saw other people that basically they would go want to write articles that were saying something like, oh, you know, CBS uh, or ABC had this report uh, about uh, how, you know, some Republican plan will actually uh, raise taxes on somebody. Uh, and they would say, and that's so biased. I can't believe they did that. It was so unfair. And then I said, well, is their plan actually going to do that? Right. And, and they said, well, yeah, it is. Uh, and then I said, so then why are you trying to complain about it if it's true? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that you're, so you're, you're, you know, you're looked at as a weakness, right? Like a, 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 a weak link if you're actually, willing to entertain truth and realism in yeah. that scenario. How yeah, and, and, and this was all before Trump, mind you, too. So, yeah. so like... Trump was a... You know, yeah, well, tr that he was not the problem. He was the, he was the symptom of the problem. And the, uh, you know, and, and so, like, whenever I see these uh, former Republican consultants, you know, get up on MSNBC and say, oh, my God, Donald Trump made the Republicans crazy. Can you believe it? Woe is me. Give me some money. Uh, you know, it's total BS. They're the ones who made Donald Trump, uh, not, you know, the average Republican voter. They are the ones who did it by injecting, you know, Christian identity politics into uh, the political discourse and lying to people about problems that Republicans caused. You know, I mean, like, uh, I mean, like right now, you know, you've got that movie Netflix just released, Hillbilly Elegy. I mean, that book 
uh, is basically, I haven't seen the movie. So, but I mean, the book is basically the moral of the story of that book is, you know, if you're poor, it's because you're lazy and you're worthless. Uh, so get off your ass. You, uh, you, you know, you're scumbag. Um, that's basically the, and that's the conservative um, idea about how to deal with poverty. It's, it's extraordinarily uncompassionate. Um, and, you know, it, and it has nothing to say to people who are living, you know, somewhere in some small, uh, you know, Appalachian town where the mines shut down. Like they ha literally the only thing they tell them is, well, you should move. Um, but why should like that's such an unconservative thing to say that people should have to leave their ancestral home uh, just because, well, we got nothing for you. So get out of here. What role do you think race played in all of it or white supremacy, I guess is my more to the point. Uh, in, in which things in, in conservative right wing media sphere, you know, um, is it an undercurrent? Is it explicit? Uh, well, it's, it, it's kind of a double track thing. So most of them, uh, the ones that I dealt with, you know, I, I never saw them being racist, almost none of them. Um, but at the same time, you know, it just may have been that they were more careful, the ones who were racist, because people who I personally knew were also having sort of uh, moonlight, moonlighting for racist groups and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and they were doing this while I knew them, some of them. And, you know, it was, it was shocking to find out uh, and, you know, one of them got exposed and he got fired uh, from his job for that. So, um, so you know, overall, I would say that it's not racist, um, but what it is, is racially indifferent um, and indifferent to, uh, you know, so in, in, not willing to consider questions of racism and whether it, they exist or not. Um, and then also there's there's a... There's a strong undercurrent. Well, they're not even an undercurrent. It's like the, in American conservatism, it's it's more of a moralism than a political philosophy. Uh, and so, you know, going back to the idea that if you're poor, well, then it's because you're a lazy bum. Um, and that's their approach to poverty. And that's uh, and which often, you know, as it manifests um, through racial inequality, uh, economic inequality. And so. People sometimes see that and they think it's a racial resentment, but it actually is a hatred for poor people. Um, and so, like for instance, um, this guy who was a who's one of the top editors of National Review, uh, he wrote this scathing article talking about how uh, you know poor, uh, poor Southern people who were voting for Trump, because that's was who was voting for him in the beginning, then um, that's who put him over the top was rural Southerners. Um, the, this guy wrote an article saying how dumb they were and how they were just useless. And these were all, you know, white Republicans that he was saying that about. Uh, and so in essence, 2016 was a moment where right-wing elites began talking about poor white people the way that they talk about poor black people. Um, and so a lot of it is very class-oriented and, uh, you know, bogus, you know, Ayn Rand morality bullshit um, right. And, and, and yeah. And yeah, Paul Ryan. Exactly. Um, and then but at the same time, you know, there there is there has always been this undercurrent of racial resent re resentment and 
you know, kind of a few. So the Christian nationalism is the stuff on the top and it's the stuff that everybody sees and that's what they emphasize the most, um, you know, and that manifests, uh, you know, not just the idea of Christian supremacy, but also, you know, antagonism toward Muslims. Um, but then at the same time, there is that undercurrent that is believed by, you know, uh, who knows, uh, it's about, I guess it's about 5% of Americans roughly have white nationalist viewpoints, um, according to the research that I've seen, um, which is still millions of people, uh, let's be clear. Um, but they, you know, they didn't have any access to power um, in the past Republican administrations. Uh, but what we've had with Republicans over the past 50 years, you know, 50, 60 years is they get power. The way you get elected as a Republican is to say, I am the true conservative. That uh, incumbent, he is a rhino, a Republican in name only. He's a sellout. Uh, I'm the real conservative. I'm further to the right than him. Uh, and they've been doing this for 50, 60 years. <laughs> and what's happening is that they're becoming more and more radicalized uh, and more and more extreme. And so, you know, whereas before Ted Cruz was considered, you know, this like when he shut down the government, he was considered this wild, insane dude uh, who was trying to destroy America and everybody was rightfully scared of him. But then Donald Trump came along and he said, Ted Cruz is not the real conservative. I am. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and then once he was able to gain popularity, uh, you know, he brought in Alex Jones with him and he yep. brought the, you know, Pepe Frog people. Uh, and, you know, and so they were the new avant-garde uh, and the new. Uh, so, and, you know, and, and, and what's happening, unfortunately, is that they have no means of stopping that, this cycle. Well, um, that, that was what I was going to ask you. First of all, are you surprised at how far it has gone to the right or is this inevitable? And then also, how does it stop? Is it when they go so far that they leave enough people behind that they can't win elections anymore? Is that what stops it? Or is it something like breaking democracy, which seems to have almost happened you know, it, it, it meaning it doesn't stop. It actually becomes, it takes us to essentially authoritarianism power at all costs. Um, well, it's, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, I do think, unfortunately, that the radicalism that we're seeing, um, you know, and the hatred of fellow Americans and Christian uh, militias are springing up. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more Christian, radical Christian terrorism in this country. I do. Um, and I wish that weren't the case, but I think it's going to be, and it's already happening. Um, you know, the last few years of the Trump administration, you know, every year the violent incidents have gone up. Uh, and it's and it's related to this cycle of perpetual radicalization that republic. So, like, and the reason that Republicans do this stuff, it, I, and I should say also that the reason they do this stuff isn't just so that they can get elected. It's that, or that they can win the primary. It's also that, you know, their policies are unpopular. Nobody wants their policies. Right. Even Republicans don't want them. And so, what they want you to talk about instead of their policy ideas is, oh, look. There's an interracial couple. Oh, look, there's, uh, you know, some gay men, uh, you know, oh, look, there's a Muslim. Um, like, that's what they want you to focus on. And it's a distraction. Um, and, you know, oh, and remember uh, in 2018, Trump was, you know, talking every day about the 
the migrant caravans were going to come and stampede America and give us all AIDS and whatever else. Yep. Uh, and, you know, and so that's what, and, you know, and, and then he shifted from that uh, to, you know, the deep state uh, right. is going to get you. They're under your bed. Uh, and so, Antifa. and so, yeah. Antifa. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the, so they have to do, they have to ramp up the rhetoric uh, increasingly extreme and awful in order to distract from their policies that no one wants. Right. Um, and so it's made things uh, much more radical, but, and I think, you know, there, I mean, there are a few scenarios that we could see. One is that they just, um, you know, if they lose so badly, then, then uh, we might see some new, some people who want to do things differently. Um, but on the other hand, that would require a democratic party that understands the danger of right-wing radicalism. And I don't think that exists right now. Um, I, th I do think to some degree that Joe Biden has understood the need to reach out to people who have been taken advantage of by Republicans. Um, but what he needs critically to remember is that the people who Republicans lied to are not the same. You know, it's okay to reach out to them, but it's not okay to reach out to the people who did the exploiting. Uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, you know, his goal is to do nothing and in, in government. And his goal is to have the judges enact his radical worldview and force it on everybody else. And who cares about democracy? I mean, that's the strategy. So they've been coming for democracy for, 50, you know, 20 years. Um, and, and they've been succeeding at that uh, because the Democratic Party doesn't understand just how radical these guys are. I mean, like, uh, you know, uh, Mike Pence, he thinks that, that evolution is a lie. Um, and so does Mark Meadows. And, and uh, there was a report that came out today that Melania Trump, uh, when, it, when it was uh, Gay Pride Week, she wanted to have a rainbow on the White House one day. And uh, that was, uh, my, uh, sorry, uh, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, put the kibosh on that. He wouldn't allow that. Uh, and so, like, these, you know, and, and the Republican elite is, pub, you know, dominated by people like Tony Perkins who of the Family Research Council. They want homosexuality to be an imprisonable offense. Um, you know, they want to eliminate entire departments of the federal government. These people are extremely radical. Uh, and the average Republican voter and even the average Democratic voter doesn't know about this stuff. Um, and so, you know, that's going to be a challenge is to get the mainstream press to focus more on right wing radicalism uh, and disinformation. I mean, Facebook is the biggest protector of, of white nationalists. They promote them all the time. They, you know, right. uh, and, and, and they've said um, there was a, a report that came out yesterday in the, in the, in the times that said that Facebook uh, engineers, you know, they developed some ways to limit disinformation but it was it was disproportionately impacting conservative outlets, and of course we know the reason that it was disproportionately impacting them. It's because they are liars, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, but but Mark Zuckerberg is so you know, and then well, he, and so he was afraid that Republicans would whine about it, um, and then also he was afraid that because the other thing they found was that if they put these uh, sort of controls to De, you know, to de-emphasize more uh, radical content, people were spending less time on Facebook. Uh, 
Uh, and of course, Mark Zuckerberg can't have that. Can't have that. You gotta. You have to spend your whole. But meanwhile, day on I mean, Facebook. I know that that's true, but at the same time, the top ten Facebook posts every day are, you know, Fox News, Dan Bongino, Ben Shapiro, mm -hmm. Daily Wire. Like, you know, yeah, conservatives are so not getting silenced. That's a total bullshit. Yeah, no, it's a total lie, and that's the thing. I mean, their but their entire I you know, political marketing is about, vic you know, we're the victims, we're the real victims, right? You know, you people who live in poverty and don't have running water, well, you're not really the victim, we are because I can't call Obama a shithead uh, <laughs> right. on Facebook, I'm the victim, uh, right. you know, and Trump's the real victim, because he can't lie and say that he won the election. Uh, you know, he's the victim. You need to feel sorry for him, even though he had his whole life handed to him by his father right. and never worked a day, an honest job. Um, like, I mean, that, and that's the thing, you know, you don't hear Democrats. I mean, Donald Trump is about as far removed from a hardworking, uh, you know, a hardworking man who does his job and puts his head down and takes care of his family. Donald Trump is none of that. He is a constant whiner. He whines. He does nothing but whine all day. He's a crybaby. He's a loser. Uh, you know, he's a liar. He's not a man of his word. Uh, and, you know, and, and and you didn't see people talking about that. Right. Uh, and, you know, like the idea that anyone who works with their hands for a living would support this, you know, deceitful, bloated uh, billionaire. Cheater, whining, con cry man, baby, corrupt. Crybaby. Yeah. Uh, New York. Ridiculous. New Yorker. Yeah, New York. No, crybaby, liar, <laughs> New Yorker. Like, why would you ever support that? He's yeah. the very worst that New York has to offer. New York is not sending their best people. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> and it's Rudy Giuliani is from there too. It, but it's been an incredible <laughs> thing to witness how he has manipulated their anger into votes for himself. And you know, mm -hmm. he brings out the war. I mean, I went to a Trump rally in Nashville, and the first 20 minutes he wasn't out there and it was people pretty normal mingling talking, you know, it felt mm -hmm. like a fairly reasonable situation. The minute he walked out there, everybody started screaming, yelling, there were kids next to us yelling things about Chinese people. Like he just, you could feel that he brings out the worst in everybody. And I know that we say he's a symptom uh, but he really does pour the gasoline on and fan the flames intentionally, and he knows what he's doing. And so, you know, I think it's really helpful to have voices like yours who've been through the experiences you've been through. Conversion stories, I feel, are really powerful and important. So I appreciate that you're being willing to speak out about it and, and to keep telling your story. And hopefully, you know, we can stay in touch and you can continue to sort of shed some light on, on what's going on because I think it's really useful. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. It's good. I, I'm, you know, it's it's hard getting the word out because a lot of times, you know, national reporters they don't understand this story. Uh, it's hard for them to cover, you know, right wing radicals because they have strange, you know, economic views or weird religious views. They're a member of groups that no one's ever heard of, and they're all interconnected. Like it's hard to get into that, and they won't talk to you. Like you can't go and interview these people. The only way you can find out what they do is to is to monitor them. Uh, because they won't tell you the truth um, and you can't show up at their conferences. They'll kick you out. Um, That's true for Republican legislators also. 
you know, there's there's sort of this shield around them. But that's kind of why we started the holler is to show up with cameras in their faces and ask them the tough questions. And, you know, it's been mm-hmm. going pretty well. It's just, you know, we need we need more outlets like this and uh, we need to support local journalism. Also, the, even the more traditional ones who have gone to subscription models out of necessity. You know, it's just really important to keep people shining a light on them because in the darkness is where this all really goes to hell. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Matt Sheffield, thank you. At Matt Sheffield, Matt Sheffield, at Matt Sheffield on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll definitely give you a follow and appreciate you doing this. And maybe we can jump on and talk more down the line. Sure. Yeah. That'd be good. All right. Thanks, Matt. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. So that's Matt. I uh, just wanted to talk to him because I thought his perspective was unique. Uh, he, ran a site called Newsbusters, which I was familiar with. Uh, he worked at the Washington Examiner and he was a conservative blogger. And then he's no longer a conservative. I guess he realized that a lot of that stuff wasn't based in fact. And he left and now he's been speaking out. And there was just an article about him or an interview with him in the New York Times about this stuff. And, you know, it's what we're all up against. It's why we started the holler. It's really hard to cut through this noise. And uh, it's not going to be an easy thing to do, but we just got to keep going the truth and talking to the people in our lives who hear this stuff and listen to this stuff and try to fight it with fact. And it's not going to be an easy fight. And it may not even be a winnable one, but it's one we got to keep fighting. So thank you all for subscribing, for following, for supporting. And we're going to keep doing what we can here at the holler with all these hollers make sure to follow all of them and uh we really appreciate you take care